we recall before youth camp last week, the week before, week prior, we uh, were in the third chapter we began, we were talking about those Judaizers that we read of and, and uh, how that they had, well, we, we talked on the message of the, the epistle of the heart, how that Paul had told the, uh, the people there at Corinth that they were uh, his epistle written in the, uh, you're, you're, you're our, my epistle written in our hearts. And in other words, we, we find that those Judaizers in those days had uh, come to the church at Corinth and had come to the Corinthians and, had, uh, and was saying that they had letters from Jerusalem uh, giving, uh, uh, giving a recommendation for them, for their beliefs of what they were teaching. And uh, how that Paul was, was, was just was letting the church know at Corinth that, that I've been with you from the beginning. Uh, had you, you had not known the gospel, had I not brought it here, had I not told you about the Lord Jesus and not su- suffered the things that we suffered. And he said, I've, uh, it's been a declaration of the proof. I declared the proof of the ministry. You know by the way that I've beha- behaved myself that I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm true. It's been a true thing. It's been a real thing from the beginning. There was a declaration of proof. There was a demonstration of proof. He said, the Spirit of the living God lives within me, and, and, uh, it, but it's written upon the fleshly tables of the heart. That's what he said. And he, he, there, there was a, he give, God said he gave him a, Paul said he, that God give us a different heart. And, and God said there was a different holder uh, there. We found out how that the, that he began to contrast the law and grace, the old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, how that he said, uh, who hath made us able ministers, in verse number 6 of the New Testament, not of the letter, uh, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now that's where we wound up that, there, that week and, and that we were realizing and understanding that Paul was bringing about, if you will, the difference between the law and grace. He was bringing about the how that you can't contaminate grace with the law. Now I'm gonna tell you something. There, this ain't just a thing that's taking place uh, in the in the days of Corinth. There's entire congregations of people today and religions built upon this same doctrine that strive to contaminate grace with the law. Uh, they'll mingle it and mix it together. And they'll say you got to do this in order to be saved. When you anything you add, when you begin to add anything to 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 grace by salvation by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus, anytime you begin to add anything to it, you be, you at that time began to be a legalist. That, that, that word's thrown around so loosely today. And people, if you've got standards and convictions, they'll call you a legalist. And, and uh, if you believe in, in holiness, they'll call you a legalist. And that really has no, that, that's nothing to do with legalism. Legalism has to do with the law. And has to do with, the, with bringing in a, a certain amount of keeping the law in order to continue in salvation we know the Bible tells us different than that and I'm glad that God's word teaches me different I'm glad that God's word says uh, that uh, there is a contrast 
between the law and grace. What I want to teach about tonight, what we're going to look at in these next few verses, is the contrast of, uh, of fading glory contrasted by increasing glory. In other words, what do you mean? I'm talking about the law is the fading glory. Paul is writing this letter in a time of transition. Understand this, and I don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse, but, but I feel like I need to say this. Jerusalem is still Jerusalem at this time. The, the temple is still standing at this time. There is still temple worship taking place during the time when Paul is writing this letter. There are still Jews practicing, uh, practicing uh, uh, blood sacrifices. They're still giving offerings at this time. They're still uh, uh, laying down the animals, the, 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 you know, observing the Passover, the shedding of blood. They're still uh, coming annually for, uh, to, to roll back their sins another year. Even though Jesus has already died, even though He's already been buried and rose again, because of their unbelief, the, the Jews are continuing in this fashion now, A.D. 70 come around. In A.D. 70, we know what happened, don't we? Nero come through, he destroyed Jerusalem, and he tore down the temple. And since that time, there's been no more temple worship in Israel. There hadn't been another sacrifice offered. There hadn't been a, another Passover observed to the T, like the Bible teaches that it's to be, uh, be observed. Since that time, y'all remember when Brother Samuel was here and when he taught on the Passover, what they do modern day, how they'd take, instead of, instead of having that lamb, they'd bring a bone and they'd put that bone there, in other words, representing that lamb, which that, just things to, to, to deviate from the Old Testament way of doing. So what I want to look at tonight is the contrast of, uh, of fading glory compared to increasing glory. Look with me. In the Word of God, we're going to begin to read with verse number 7 of chapter number 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and beginning to read with verse number 7. The Bible said, But if the, the uh, ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. Verse number 11. For it was that which is done away for if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege tonight that we could look into the blessed Word of God. I thank you, dear God, for the, uh, the, the truth. I thank you for my Bible. I pray, God, tonight that you would help us as we stand to teach the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to be thorough. Help us to be to the point. And I pray, God, that you would get glory from what takes place here tonight. God, I know that even in, in, in a set of teaching, in a setting where teaching's taking place, the Holy Ghost can take over. 
And God, he can have his way, and you can have your way. And I pray, God, tonight for those that may be sitting here, those that are at home that may be listening, I pray, God, for those tonight that may not be saved, I beg you, dear God, to help them to see that there's nothing they can do to help themselves get saved. There's nothing that they need to do, God, other than just trust Jesus and accept the offering, accept the gift that's already been paid. God, would you move tonight in our midst? Father, there's been many requests, and there's many of our, of our membership that are sick tonight. And I pray, dear Heavenly Father, you would help each one that stands in need. God, help those, uh, those that's sick and at home, those, Lord, that shut in in some way. And, Lord, I pray you'd even help those that's unconcerned and don't really care about being in the house of God this evening. God, would you touch their hearts and help them to see the importance of meeting at God's house. I pray, God, you'd give us that that we stand in need of tonight. Most of all, Lord, would you help that in this lost. And I beg these things in Jesus' precious name, for he is worthy. Amen and amen. And thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate you standing uh, for the word of God. Uh, the old covenant glory according to what we know, according to what we read, is the law, or was the law. The, the glory of death, if you will. The law is the law of death. Uh, understand, there was never an opportunity, or there was never, when the law was given, there was never an occasion that that law could give life. Right? Y'all agree with me? The law never has given life. But the law has always pronounced death. The, the new covenant glory is that of grace, which is far superior to the, 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 the law. Uh, grace, thank God for grace. Grace means that, that you and I can have a, a, that, a, that, that, that relationship with God that we don't deserve, that, that you and I can have access to the Heavenly Father in which we're really unworthy of and and, and Paul, in teaching here in this, um, in this letter to the Corinthians, he gives us uh, several reasons to support the new covenant and several reasons that grace is superior to the law. Now, we all know that tonight, but remember, he's writing this letter to, to a church that's uh, that infiltrated with, with Judaizers. It's infiltrated with people that have... Uh, have begun to mingle the law with grace. You say, we don't have that problem today. Well, we don't at this time, but listen to me. It hadn't been very long ago that I can recall a brother, a dear brother of, my, of ours, uh, that gave me a call and said, Preacher, I need your, I need your input on something because I'm, uh, they're, they're, I'm having uh, some people that's coming to, uh, to, to services with us uh, uh, that, that don't believe in the security of the believer. They don't believe that when you're saved, you're eternally saved. And then, secondly, they don't believe that uh, that when you're uh, that that you're you you they they think that there's something that you can do in yourself to go, to draw God's attention so that you can keep the salvation that God gives you. We don't ever know what's liable to come in before us, and you don't ever know what's liable to. Well, listen, there's people right down the road, not far. They're meeting tonight. And there, there, there's going to be a fellow standing in the pulpit and he's going to preach and teach that salvation is not eternal. And he's going to, he's going to teach and preach that you can do something to do away with your salvation. Well, let me tell you something. That I, I don't know where he's getting it from the Bible, but we need to be, we need to be learned and studied up enough in, our, in the Word of God 
that we can defend the faith when it comes to this. We need to know what the Bible says other than just uh, once saved, always saved. That's, most, that's what most, all they know about it. Once saved, always saved. And they'll, they'll go to trying to, if they're confronted with something, they'll go to their concordance and begin to look up. Once saved, always, always saved. It's not there. Not written in the Word of God. But the teaching's there. But it's not that form and it's not written in that way. Now, when you think about the, the superiority of grace and, 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 and the new covenant, well, let's look first of all at what Paul is saying. In, in verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul, he says here, But if the ministration of death, uh, written and engraven in stones, that's the law. You know, where did Moses get the, where, where did God write the, the law at? He wrote it in stones. If he, and what Paul said, if the, if the ministration of death, what did he say, the ministration of what? Of death, y'all get a hold of that now, written in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Now, Moses uh, is speaking here, and the new covenant glory means spiritual life, not death. This is the difference between the law and grace. The new covenant is the covenant of life. The old covenant was a covenant of death. I've already said that. Moses was descending from receiving the law and conversing with God, and as he did, his face glowed. It shone that he had been in the presence of God. Here's what Paul is talking about here. His face uh, it shone with the glory of God. This thing, this actual happening actually impressed the people. Now, it wasn't the law itself that caused his face to shine, but it was the presence of God whom he had been around that caused his face to shine. Listen to me. Uh, the, 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 the people of God saw him coming with the law in his hand and his face shining. And so all they could think of was that, man, the law is glorious. And the law brings glory. And this is what those Judaizers still, the reason they still at that time were, 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 were coming and, and mingling uh, uh, the law with grace and saying that you, gotta, uh, you, you get saved by grace through faith plus circumcision. This is what they're saying. This was what they were teaching. And, and listen, folks, they, they may not come and say that to us today in that manner, but they teach some things the same way. You'd be surprised at people that claim to be Baptist folk uh, uh, that think there's something that they can do or cannot do uh, that would cause them not to make heaven because after that they've been born again. Listen to me. If there's something that you've done to get saved, uh, you didn't get saved. All right, I'm just going to tell you. If there's something that you've done to, uh, to, to make, uh, make God's attention, that you deserve salvation, you didn't get it. I'm telling you, salvation is not a merit work. Salvation is the gift of God. That's where everywhere you read of it in the Word of God, 
It's never talking about a merit. It's never earned. It's always a gift. Amen. I know on the day I got saved, it was not nothing about me worthy. Matter of fact, I went to God as unworthy as I could be. I didn't. I knew I didn't deserve to even lift up my head. And like the old boy in the temple that smote himself on the breast and said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. All I was looking for that day, I wasn't looking for justification. I was looking for mercy. I was looking for help that's all I needed and that's all I could understand that I needed well, I needed mercy and God was a giver and he is a giver of mercy thank God listen to me tonight I want us to understand that, that the new covenant glory means that, that, that it gives spiritual life it's not spiritual death Paul then argued that if, the, if there was glory in giving the law which brought about death how much more glory is there in the ministry that brings life? How much more glory is it in the ministry that brings life? You think about it. You say, preacher, this is kind of elementary. It is to those that know. But think about, to, think about to those today that are sitting somewhere or another that think that there's some way and something they have to do in order to keep their salvation. You think about it. And brother, and I'm telling you, there's probably more of them than there are anything else. There's probably more of them today. There's those that go by the, the name Baptist that believe you can leave, lose your salvation. Free will Baptist. They're Armenians. They don't believe in the security of the believer. They, they're Baptist and others. And they love to run. They love to shout. Love to, they love to sing. They love to preach. And, they, and they, some of them can do some good stuff at but, but when, you, when you begin to mingle the law with grace, you've defiled grace. You've defiled. And there's, this is what Paul's telling these people at Corinth. Legalists like to magnify the glory of the law and minimize its weaknesses. The law, as I've already said, never gave life. And Paul pointed this stuff out in the, in, in the letter. He pointed in, in the letter to the Galatians. And I was looking at this this evening, some as I was preparing for tonight. And I remembered when, we, when I went through the book of Galatians, I remembered some things that Paul had, had said to us and had, had written to the church that's at Galatia. Uh, the, first of all, Paul told the church at Galatia that the law cannot justify. Look at, ver, at Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 16. Look at Galatians chapter 2 in verse number 16. Paul said, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You, you understand that Paul had told the church at Galatia that there's no way that the law ever was intended to justify mankind. What was the purpose of the law? To point us to the Lord Jesus. To show us our, our fallibility. To show us that, we're, that we are incapable of keeping that law. 
God wrote that law. And there's never, even the apostle Paul himself said he'd been guiltless of the law except had it not been for thou shalt not covet. And probably thou shalt not murder. All right? It, I mean, and I'm, I'm not belittling Paul and I'm not doubting the word of God. I'm just telling you that there is, um, that, that the law of God, that, that, that it has never just, it did not justify Moses. The law, Moses was not justified by the law. Moses, even as, as holy and as godly as a man that he was and being the friend of God, David was not justified by the law. Even though the, the 119th Psalm is written there, the writer of the 119th Psalm that talks about how that, that law of God, those precepts, that word is so important, he was not justified by the law. But he was justified by grace. How? How was he justified by grace when grace had not... I don't reckon there's ever been a time when God didn't have grace. <laughs> I don't reckon there's ever been. Now, it wasn't necessarily the grace age, but there was grace. There was grace. As long as there's been God, there's been grace. Amen. That, that's, uh, that, that's, that's the demonstration. That is the, the definition of God is grace. And, and, and God is love. And, and God lo so loved the world. Well, or you think about what, what Paul said there, that, that there's no justification. That the law cannot justify a man. Uh, secondly, look at verse 21 of Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. And I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Let me tell you this. Uh, the law can't give a sinner righteousness. Paul said the law is unable to give a sinner righteousness. We're not, we're not, our righteousness is not imputed from the law. Matter of fact, we don't go. If you'll notice the writings in verse, in, in verse 16 that I kept reading there, notice this, I've never noticed it till much till today. Notice what Paul kept saying there, knowing that a, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith, look at that next little two-letter word, of, of who? Jesus Christ. He didn't say faith in Jesus Christ, but he said the faith of Jesus Christ. Our, that's Jesus' faith. There is the imputed righteousness of God that is given to us. We're, when, when that righteousness is given to us by our faith in Him, we're then justified by the faith of the Lord Jesus. What a blessing that is. Listen, it's not... My faith is a, my faith that gets weak sometimes, but the faith of Jesus never gets weak. Amen. And that, listen, he, he, he trusted God all the way. He trusted God all, the whole way. The, the law cannot give a sinner righteousness. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 2. This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? <laughs> well, the law can't give the Spirit. Can it? The law can't give the Holy Ghost. We can't have the Holy Spirit by the law. Never do you read in the Word of God where the law was given, where the, the, where the, the, the law gave the Spirit of God. Paul said it right here. Ain't that what he said? This, this only what I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. 
the way when 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 I was filled with the Spirit of God, when the Lord Jesus moved inside of me, when when I was filled with the Spirit of God, it was when I trusted Jesus and I received the I put my faith in Him. So there's a lot of things that the law can't do. We're talking about the contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. We're talking about the difference here. And man, what a blessing it is to understand uh, that the new covenant, we're living on the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.18. Look over here. He said, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave to Abraham Gave God, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. We find out that Abraham was a recipient of grace. You see that? God gave it to Abraham. He told us right there, for if the inheritance, uh, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So we find this that, 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 that the law don't give the law don't give an inheritance. The Bible tells us that we, are, we that are saved that we're not only going to just inherit heaven, but we're, but to them that overcome, to them gave he power to do what? To become the sons of God. When we were saved, that we not only were just have, uh, have fire insurance, okay? But we then at that time, we become heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Heirs and joint heirs. What are you getting at, preacher? I'm getting at this. Whatever Christ gets, we're going to get. Whatever, whatever the Lord Jesus, whatever God's got in store for him, he's got in store for us. Now, I don't even think my little old mind can fathom that. I don't even think I can understand that a whole lot. But I'm glad to be able to say it anyhow, all right? I, I really, because uh, that, that, that only comes by grace. Chapter 3 and verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of, promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which, had, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. The law cannot give life. I told you I was getting the car ahead of the horse a while ago. The law never gave life. Brother Mike, the law condemned us to death. The Bible said the law was our schoolmaster. That's what Paul described it as. It's our, it's our schoolmaster. It taught us some things. It pointed us in some directions. It showed us our weaknesses. The law showed us that there's no way that a man could, could live sinless. The law points out our weaknesses. And for those today that, that seem to think that they have some ability to live without sin, man, they just need to get in their Bible and understand that there's no way, there's no way that you can live without sin. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying, Paul said he didn't either. He said, God forbid. I'm not saying that I'll just live any way in the world. But I'm here to tell you that even in our Bible, John said if a man says, He's, he, he don't sin, then he's a liar. Then chapter number 4 of Galatians, verse number 8, down through verse 10. He said, How be it then when ye knew 
not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again of the weak and beggarly elements? Turn to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and times and years. Paul said there that the law can't give you freedom. It can't give you freedom from the weak and beggarly elements of that, that dominates man. Those things that condemn us. Those things that, 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 that bring us down, that weight us down. Makes us weak and makes us big. The law cannot give any help from that. But grace can. Grace can. It's, it's like this. A lot of times we think of a person, you think of a person in a family. And I could I could begin to, to think of families that really, and I don't mean to, to be judgmental, but but think of families that really there's not been a whole lot of success in. And all of us know that. I've heard people say all my life, if there's one ounce of that blood there, there then that, that, they ain't going to never amount to nothing. You ever heard them old-timers say stuff like that? And, uh, and I understand what they're saying, but, but I can tell you just a drop of the blood of Jesus can change everything. Just a drop of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can change a, a whole lot of stuff and can make everything better. You see, the law can't do that. But grace can. The law can't, can, can, cannot demonstrate mercy. But grace can. So we see that, that the law or, or the, the new covenant glory means spiritual life and not death. And number two, I want to look, the new covenant glory means righteousness and not condemnation. Look it back in 2 Corinthians now and, and let's look at verses 9 and 10. Look what Paul said. He said, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remained is glorious. Now, I read that, that extra verse there just because I wanted it to make sense and be in context. God didn't give the law for the purpose of salvation. The law produces condemnation. And it reveals to us, here's what I see. Here's, here's what it is, what I, what I look at. The law, the law is like it reveals to us how, how dirty our face is. It, it's try, like trying to wash your face in a mirror of the law. Okay? The law keeps showing you your, your defilements and your wrong. And you're trying to wash it away, and there's no way you can wash it away. Uh, you know, there, there's just some things won't wash off, right? Uh, you know, and that, that's what the law is. And, and well, Paul kind of described it like in one place about a man beholding his natural face in a glass. You know, and... And he just defiled. And, and we look at ourselves and we see ourselves and we know, oh friend, know this, that God knows you better than you know you. 
And if you know that you're sinful and you know that you have bad thoughts and you know that you're vile and you know that you're ungodly, don't you think for one second that God don't know that 10,000 times more? And only the law can show us that, that we're fallible and we're vile and we're ungodly. It produces condemnation. The ministry of the new covenant, though, produces righteousness. And listen to this. It changes lives. The ministry of the new covenant changes lives. That one drop of blood I talked about just there just a moment ago, that'll change lives. That, only, that don't only change destinations, but it changes lives. And I'm here to tell you that I, I've got a problem with a lot of folks that say they've had a destination change and they ain't never had a life change. So many people today claim to go to heaven, going to be on their way to heaven, but their life leans toward hell all the time. I know when God, even though I was just a 12-year-old boy, when God saved me, He changed some things about me. And I didn't even, I didn't even realize it then, Brother Philip. I really didn't even realize what all God changed about me and how God changed what I was, would do, how that he would, 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 would put fear in my heart and, and put, put a desire in my heart somewhere down deep inside of me to be pleasing unto the Heavenly Father. Galatians 2.21, again, I'll say this. He said, for if righteousness came by the law, then Jesus died in vain and Christ is dead in vain. You see, the law produces guilt, and the law produces hopelessness. But grace brings about acceptance and joy. To know that you've been, you say, this is kind of repetitious stuff. It, it is. It's, it's just, it's just it's repetitious, but it's so good, especially if you've been a recipient of grace. Especially if you've ever been born again. You know the vile person that you were. And you know the, def the destination you were headed. And you know the ungodliness that you possess. And you know where you come from. And to think about where you're going then. Boy, I'm telling you what. It ought to do you some good to think about the difference between law and grace. The law produces a bond of indebtedness bringing condemnation shortcomings <coughs> that we can't help. Folks, listen to me. We're literally helpless and hopeless without grace. The, the most righteous person, the most perfectly upright person that you know of or that's ever been written about, if it's not for grace that righteousness is still as a filthy rag in the eyes of God. Grace. You see, I'm glad that God don't look at my righteousness, but He sees the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. So the new covenant glory means righteousness and not condemnation. Number three, and I'm done, the new covenant glory is permanent. It's not temporary. The law, listen, the law had to be done every year. Had to be observed every year. That offering brought every year to roll back the sin 
roll them back roll them back what if you forgot one year what if you were sick and you didn't have the you, you couldn't get out and bring your bullock or your lamb or your goat what if what if what if you weren't able to to have it oh my goodness what would happen then you see the law it didn't justify you to begin with it wasn't permanent what it done was not permanent it was waiting to atonement day those that died and went to Abraham's bosom they were kept there until the sacrifice was paid that took away their sin they knew he was coming they knew the day was approaching they knew there was coming a time I often thought about this and I've tried to mention it before but I get to thinking about sometimes what happened in Abraham's bosom for, for, for all you know, I know in there there wasn't time, but the only way we know how to describe something is in the process of time. And, and what was taking place in Abraham's bosom is a person that, was, that was, uh, had faith in the Messiah to come would be brought into the very presence of Abraham and would be there. Maybe they didn't know who he was, and maybe Abraham would stand up and he'd say, Are you the one? Are you him? And they'd say, No, I'm not him. I'm waiting on him too. But I thought about that old thief, that old thief. The Bible, the Lord Jesus said that old thief, that Jesus told that thief, today shalt thou be with me where? In paradise. I got to thinking about that. They said that, that old thief died. And as he died, maybe the Lord had ascended to take his blood to the mercy seat. He hadn't been preached to spirits in prison and led captivity captive yet. And I see him as the old thief gets there and begins to go into the uh, the very presence of Abraham, and he says, uh, "Is he? Are you him?" He said, "No, I'm not him, but he's right behind me. He's coming on. He'll be here in just a minute. I hung with him on Calvary. He's paid the debt." Can't you imagine what it was like when Jesus showed up in that place? Can't you imagine what it, what it was when he said, "Are you the one?" He said. I am. I'm the one. Can't you imagine there was an eruption in paradise as he says, follow me. You ain't got to stay here no more. The blood's been applied to the mercy seat. It's been paid. It's been given. Let's go to the presence of God. What a day. What a time. This is all speculation, I know. But I like to speculate sometimes. I like to speculate. It does me some good. The new covenant of grace had come in. And Paul was, 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 was defending the new covenant of grace. These Judaizers had attacked the church at Corinth. And remember that in verses number, verse number 11, he said, For that which is done away was glorious. If that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. I got to thinking, I don't know much about English, but I do know a little bit. I got to looking at the tense of that verb, which is done away. Uh, I thought about it, how, how, how Paul wrote it, a period in history and that, that, that ages were overlapping. There's the temple age, temple worship, and there's grace. 
they're overlapping there. The new covenant of grace had come in, but the temple services were still being carried on. And Israel was still living under the law. And as I told you earlier, in A.D. 70, Jerusalem and the temple were leveled when Nero come in and destroyed them. Judaizers who had left, Corinth, left Jerusalem and had went to Corinth to mix the law with grace, to mix the two covenants. Paul said, I've got to defend it. Paul didn't want those people at Corinth to go back to dead religion and the religion of death. And he said, it's worth defending. Matter of fact, I think it was the Apostle Paul himself that said that we ought to contend for the faith. I remember Brother H.R. Burge talking about that one time. He said, the Bible said we ought to contend for the faith. He said, sometimes I get very contentious over it. Maybe sometimes we ought to. It ought to mean something to us when somebody defiles the truth. Paul stood up and said, it's not right. It's not right. He contended for the faith. The new covenant, the law, you see, he didn't want them to go back to, to a dead religion. Why? Because uh, the new covenant was getting greater and greater. Y'all know this? We hadn't experienced the best of it yet. We've not experienced the best of the new covenant as of yet. But it's still to come. The best is still to come. The glory of the law is the glory of the past history. Oh, it's good to read about. But it is not for salvation. It is for death. But the glory of the New Testament covenant, the new covenant, it'll change an individual. Look at verse 18, of, and I'm jumping way ahead. Look at verse 18 of, of, of 2 Corinthians 3. But we all with open face beholding as... as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Notice this. Are changed into the same image. From glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The glory of the new covenant is a life changing. It will change an individual. The ministry of grace. Listen, it boils down to this. And I'm, this is the last thing I'm done. The ministry of grace is, is internal. It works within. The ministry of the law works without. The only thing that can change inside of a man is when the Spirit of God moves in. It brings life and it involves a changing life. And it involves an increasing glory. The glory of the Lord. The contrast of the fading glory and the increasing glory. As Paul was defending the faith against the law. This is a man that was once, a, he tried to keep the law to the best of his ability. But now he was defending the faith of, and, and grace from the law. Friend, today, if you're depending upon your goodness and depending on some way you dress or some way you talk or some way that you behave to get you to heaven, you're, you're depending upon the wrong thing. 
All those things are important, but they come, they come after something. And that is, they come after being born again. Jesus said and told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Even though that was 2,000 years ago, it's still good for today. You must be born again.